0: Mobley Comics Audio. Mobley Comics Audio presents Twenty Thousand Leagues into Madness, created by Brian Del Rio, based on the works of Jules Verne and H. P. Lovecraft. I can hear its rivets creaking as the vessel dives deeper, deeper. Just meters below the surface, the mad roar of the typhoon fades into tranquility. There is peace beneath the waves, but not in my heart. I glance out the portal window beside me at a vast, aquatic desert... Light stabs through the surface above us, followed by muted cracks of thunder. The Nautilus flies over a jagged range of mountains, many times higher than any man has ever witnessed on land. Land. My countenance sours at the thought. I turn in disgust from the large, circular window. The Nautilus's salon is a small museum, displaying artifacts from across the Mediterranean. From Africa, from Asia, from the many battlefields where we'd aided those who fought against the oppression of the company. But ignoring the menagerie of tribal masks and white marble statues, my eyes are drawn once again to the small idol. And though I'd found it in Haiti, its cultural origins were mystifying. It seemed to be some sort of monster of a form which only a diseased mind could conceive. If I say that my somewhat extravagant imagination yields simultaneous pictures of an octopus, a dragon, and a human caricature, it would not be unfaithful to the spirit of the thing. A pulpy, tentacled head surmounted a grotesque and scaly body with rudimentary wings, the demonic form hunched upon a pedestal of hieroglyphs. I stare at the image like a moth drawn to a flame fascinated and horrified why why was the company so interested in this thing I look away and then I feel it at the corners of my mind the call the chant which has haunted my dreams the madness lying in wait at my doorstep the idol's eyes are on the back of my head I'm shaking as I press my fists to the sides of my skull like a vice, trying vainly to squeeze the voices from my fevered brain. I wipe the sweat from my brow and scoop the bench forward, hunching over the keys of the organ. I enter a trance as its haunting melodies fill the salon. Yes, the music is my only relief, the only shield from the call. As my fingers dance like demons around a fire pit, I look up at the curved sword mounted above the organ's pipes. Why do I keep it? That reminder of a past I've attempted to bury so many times before, back when I still had a name. Chapter One. A Prince of Bundelkhand, starring Brian Del Rio, Piyush Agarwal, Akanksha Mishra, and Surjeet Singh. The Kingdom of Bundelkhand, India, 1845. The deepest parts of the ocean are totally unknown to us. What goes on in those distant depths? What creatures inhabit, or could inhabit, those regions 12 or 15 miles beneath the surface? I ponder the words of the French scientist as I untie my sash and shrug off my knee-length jacket, a wave lapping against my small brown toes mother was kind enough to read the marine biologist's book to me the evening before, a gift from a faraway land. To Young Prince Dakar, the script on the cover page read. May your mind remain ever in motion. I'm wearing only my cowpin as I step into the sea. I shiver. the small loincloth providing little cover as another wave crashes against a nearby rock coating my exposed legs and chest with a cold mist. Son of an owl! I course, forgetting to remove my patka. My long hair, never cut, is bound up in the headcloth. I splash back onto the shore, carefully removing it and adding it to the pile of clothes. My long hair flows down my back and shoulders, and I feel the slightest twinge of guilt. Think nothing of it, I assure myself. What's the difference between this swim and the one day a week you wash your hair? My hair is already wet from mist as I step into the water. It sticks to my smooth cheeks. Some day, when my beard is as long as my father's, I'll wear a turban like him. I can only imagine how father's eyebrows would knit beneath its orange cloth were he to see me now. I think about when I saw him last. Our legs criss beneath us as we sat in the temple, listening to the words of the Guru. Water is the father of the world. In the end, water destroys all. My ears prick at the moison's call, echoing from the minaret high above the sprawl of flat, box-shaped buildings, wrought of sun-dried bricks beyond the docks beside me. Throughout the city of Shanxi, the Muslims will be unrolling their mats to pray. Now in waist-deep water, I think of a story from the Quran of a flood which God used to destroy the world. I take a deep breath, submerging my head. Water is life, water is death, a mystery. I kick my feet, the sun warbling as it shrinks behind me. Colorful fish scatter before me. A crustacean snaps its pincers, scuttling back into the stony grass of some nearby coral. I see the shiny green coils of the just as it disappears into its aquatic burrow. The inhabitants see me as a foreigner, an invader. Their mistrust is understandable. I am here to take their most precious resources back to a foreign land they'll never see. I, like everyone in Bondelka, know exactly how that feels. From the ringing in my ears and the growing pressure in my chest, I estimate I must be six meters below the surface. Sun swirls into rising columns as I begin to dig. Suddenly, my fingers graze something hard and rough. My first oyster of the day. A true pearl diver would have a knife to open the oyster and a basket to collect it, but mother refuses to get me such a knife, nor allows me to leave home with one from the dining table. It is a dangerous line of work, not to mention low and ritually polluting, not suitable for a prince. I shake my head as I kick toward the surface, clutching the oyster protectively to my chest. Mother may be seek now, but she has difficulty fully letting go of the caste system in which she was raised. A small round object passes in front of the wobbling sun. No, not an object, a creature. Tiny tentacles propel a coiled white shell patterned with orange-brown stripes. I am reminded of a cornucopia, the tentacles spilling like produce from the mouth of the shell. Its primitive eye, little more than a pinhole watches me from beneath a sort of helmet of speckled flesh a lithograph from the marine biologist's book appears in my memory nautilus pompilius suliensis common name the chambered nautilus neither fish nor crustacean nor cephalopod something older more primal a living fossil It is the most curious creature I have ever seen, and I am filled with wonder and gratitude as I behold it. But the lightness in my chest turns quickly to anxious pounding as I see the diminutive creature swim past the mouth of a small cave. Eight green tentacles, their undersides lined with rows of hideous suction cups, creep from the darkness. My eyes widen in fear. Before the Nautilus can dart away, a tentacle shoots toward it. My heart wrenches as I watch the tentacle coil around the creature's shell, tightening like a boa constrictor. The octopus has now fully emerged from its lair. Its size is of no consequence to me, but to the Nautilus, it must seem a monster. A lump grows in my throat. Even underwater, I can feel the tears burning behind my eyes as the small creature's shell cracks, its lifeblood misting from the ruptures. The partly limp, partly twitching form is pulled toward a fleshy hole at the place where the octopus's tentacles converge. A hideous black beak presses from the orifice, the last sight those primitive eyes will ever behold. I look away in fright, disgust, agony, Kicking towards the surface, it was almost too much to bear, a thought that could break the mind. I think of Nazib, my older brother, ranting, raving, swatting at the air, mouth-dribbling spittle, eyes wild and darting about. And I feel the same madness that took him is uncomfortably near. All of the beauty I had beheld beneath the surface, all of the love it had inspired, seized suddenly by horror. Water is the father of the world. But in the end, water destroys all. Water is life. Water is death. I gasp for breath as my head breaks through the surface. I'm still clutching the oyster as sweet, life-giving air fills my lungs. It occurs to me that the speed with which I ascended could easily have caused me to black out. One of my mother's many fears surrounding my... Low-caste hobby. It is not the dive, but gasps of sorrow that pain my lungs. It is not the salty water, but hot tears that blur my eyes. Perhaps that is why it took me a moment to notice the two men standing on the shore by my things, waiting for me. My grief-stricken heart pounds once more in fear. Even through blurry eyes, I could discern the unmistakable red of their uniforms. Soldiers from the British East India Company. Did you know the creator of this podcast also writes graphic novels? Be sure to check out some of the other series by Mobily Comics Audio, where the comic you hold in your hands is brought to life with voice acting, music, and sound effects. Like stories about giant monsters like Cthulhu? Then you should check out Kaiju Kingdoms. A terminally ill young explorer must outrace his own death and embark on a daring voyage to a land where power-hungry kings enslave giant monsters to menace their rivals. But can he get them to set aside their petty feuds and unite against the world-ending kaiju whose imminent arrival haunts his dreams? Get your copy of Kaiju Kingdoms Volume 1 on Kindle, Comixology, iTunes, or in print at Amazon.com. Mobily Comics Audio